Pius XIII was a great poem, but life evolves in spite of us. I'm the new Pope. Who is the Pope now? Who is the Pope now? Who is the Pope? Hi everyone, and welcome to Papal Bull Resurrection, Fanbyte.com's new Pope podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Kay, features and trending editor at fanbyte.com, and my co-host, as always, is Fanbyte's chief liturgical correspondent, Eric Thurm. We don't have a guest today. I was going to do a whole thing where I talked like Jude Law so that he could be the special guest, and then I didn't do it because I couldn't. I couldn't get the accent good enough. No one actually knows what he sounds like. Yeah, you. they deleted all the audio clips. So here we are. Sorry. We're, high, we love it. We we've love got it. high hopes for this episode. Yeah. No. Oh, God. Um, We're doing the dance. Speaking of, speaking, of borderline, doing the dance. speaking of borderline uh, sociopaths of the terrible program, should we start talking about Ascente in this episode? Wow. You like that? You like that topical uh, segue? <laughs> Interesting because Ascente, less of like a rat and more of like a frog to me with the big glasses that make his eyes look yeah, really huge. And he's sympathetic. Like, like I think a frog. The thing, yeah. The thing about Ascente is that he is clearly bad at his job and is like very mean, but he comes by his meanness. And also he's honest about it. I think, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he in the, at least in the closed door meeting, he's willing to tell those nuns that he hates orphans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately I think that uh, Pete is not going to be sent to Kabul. No. We can, we can hope. I mean, he's already sort of like, done his tour of the Middle East. Right? I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> God. He's way ahead of us. I'm sorry we've spent so much of this episode talking sorry, about Satan. Sorry, we just Satan. watched the debate. It was rough. It was rough, but... Uh, but you know what's not rough? This really fucking good episode of The New Pope. Yeah, okay, so we get Lenny back. We get... Uh, Voyello back. Voyello back. Some great Gutierrez material. The return of a lot of the musical cues from season one. Uh, And I think the crowning moment of this episode is when Lenny returns to his like papal apartment. And uh, what are what's that guy's name? His Uh, Domen. Domen. Wait, is that actually his name or is that his title? No, no, it's his name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, "We have a surprise for you." And like Lenny opens the fridge and it's just Cherry Coke Zero. Just unbelievable. It's like Cherry Coke Zero and I think like eggs. Eggs. Like hard, I'm pretty sure hard boiled eggs, which is incredible. It, it really just makes me wish that we had had a scene earlier in either of these shows that just is fucking like Lenny chewing down on a hard boiled egg instead of eating. Just like Frank style, just like eating eggs. Just like. Yeah. Those two American characters that we, we know and love. Uh, uh, Frank also famously involved in like a very passionate about one particular soda that's true yeah they have so many similarities the the holy yeah the the holy holy wolf cola um yeah that does happen i mean there is so so maybe that's where we should start in this one yeah because we get a so a lot of what happens in this episode is we get sort of teased at lenny's re-emergence into the world and he has these sort of singular scenes uh with a lot of the main characters and so, first of all, um, he meets with Gutierrez, 
which is great. We needed it. Of course. Explicitly, and I think this is very funny, there's this scene earlier in the episode where Asante uh, tells Gutierrez that he is not allowed to talk to Lenny. And then just, like, the episode proceeds to ignore it entirely. There's no twist. There's no drama around Gutierrez having to sneak in to see Lenny. There's just none of that. Everyone just totally ignores Asante. Uh, So we get this scene where uh, Lenny is in this room, and he's surrounded by these boxes that are full of some of the letters that he got uh, or that were sent to the Vatican for him while he was in a coma. And, of course... He asks Gutierrez uh, if he read any of them. Well, critically, those boxes are all just the letters sent by children. Yeah, it's a, the boxes it's, sent by the letters sent by adults are in a separate warehouse. Yes, he says, "Yeah, uh, did you read any of the letters?" And Gutierrez says, "Of course, I read all of them." Just like obviously he did. Uh, but Lenny, he he reads Lenny this letter uh, in which this girl is describing her brother having sleeping problems. Uh, that is somehow related to anxiety over the Pope being in a coma, as sort of we know often happens to children. All children are intensely concerned about the health of the yeah. Pope. I guess, are there just very Catholic children who are like, I hope the Pope's okay? I mean, there must be, right? I guess. Like, if you're, I, I assume if you're a child in a household that is that strictly observant and like that Catholic, you probably do so, care yeah. about the Pope. Uh, but Lenny gets pissed. Yeah, he like slams his fist down. He's like, I'm sorry. I just, I just love kids. I just hate it. Uh, and he says, yeah, forgive me. I can't tolerate the thought of children suffering. Which really, that's set up. That's foreshadowing yeah. for the end of the episode. I had not put that together. I just was like, yeah, he does care about I kids. I mean, it's also to explicitly contrast him with Asante. Sure. Well, and, and Branix to some extent. Sure, yeah. But the, the do we want to talk about that second uh the second scene of of Lenny's sort of meetings, or do we want to go back to the beginning of the episode? Mm. Well, so basically there's like two things going on in this episode, right? Well, there's like a few things, but the the two main threads I would say are Lenny comes back and um I think there are three threads. Three. Yeah. Interesting. Because we've got Lenny. Okay, no, there are three. Yeah. You have Lenny, you have John, mm-hmm. kind of like... And Sophia. Hiding out, and yeah. John and Sophia. <sighs> wow. Yeah, we'll we'll get to fun. that. Horniness level of this episode, off the charts. Uh, and then, we, of course, we have uh, Voyella's friend dying kind of out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So, I honestly... Okay, four threads. Four. Yeah, I think that the fourth thread is Voyello and Bauer versus the Terrible oh, Triad. God. Okay, yeah, there are four. There's four. So do we want to go through the episode sequentially or just through each of those, like... I kind of think we should go through it sequ- uh, roughly sequentially because okay. the threads kind of overlap in a lot of ways, especially sure. with Voyello. Yeah. Because we, we get this first scene of the episode, uh, notably without the opening credits. We just get sort of the names of the actors, right, superimposed. And Bauer has come to visit Voyello in the greenhouse, uh, and they're talking about how uh, fake ISIS has not claimed responsibility for this attack on St. Peter's Basilica, which is odd, sort of like not normal for them. Uh, and then they mostly talk about the other big fracture in the church, which is uh, what Bauer calls the terrible triad, which, first of all, <laughs> extremely good name for a oh minor villain God. team on the Venture Bros. Mm-hmm. Then we can all agree on that. Um 
And honestly, way cooler than they deserve. Yeah, that's like... So, let's not kind of like beat around the bush. There's three pedophiles. Oh, for sure. Like, so the terrible triad? Yeah, it makes them sound like they're about to like fight the Flash or something. Yeah. Like, like one of them has like a, a cold ray or something. Like... Yeah, instead of a array of uh, pedophilia, right? Um, and like yeah. embezzlement, yeah, the Ugh. twin powers of mil- of billionaires worldwide. Yeah. What's a worse name for them? Because I, I first I wanted to call them the Bunker Boys, but I don't. I think that actually also sounds that good. Sounds that cool sounds cool. Too. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 come back to that. Sure. Yeah, these the, fucking the Ep- Vatican dweebuses. Epstein's. Okay, no, Monster. keep it going. You've or you've you've FC's brought it monsters? up. Um, the uh, the the unholy trinity. No, that sounds cool too. Yeah, there's just no good way the thing to talk is about. You can't give like there's no name that you can give to like villains that doesn't make them sound cool. You just have to call them just three guys. Yeah, they're just okay. So they're are, they're just three guys. Yeah. So Bauer Bauer and Voyella are talking about these just three guys, um, and he's trying to get Voyello to come out of retirement. Uh, One last job. Yeah. And Voyel's like, I can't. I don't do it anymore. I only offer advice. And that, that's advice that we sort of learn has led Sophia to leak the photos that she took of young punk Brannix to the press. Way back in episode one. Two. I think two. Two. Was two. Okay, yeah. Because he has a name. Brannix is in episode one. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first episode with Brannix. Uh, which is a, a very funny I found this a little bit annoying because this also literally does basically happen in the second to last episode of the Young Pope, right? When his le- his love letters oh, yeah. get leaked to the press it's and the everyone's like, thing. yeah, it's like literally the same oh, thing. Oh, he's like a human being. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. Do we not have sort of like a better... Just reuse that one. Yeah. I missed that, actually, because mm. I hadn't thought about that in so long. But yeah, like, you're right. I, I really love this episode. I think it's fantastic. That, That's a little bit weird. Yeah, it's like a uh, um. I guess there's only so many ways you can make people like the Pope, right? I guess. Uh, but we do discover that that's what's happened. Uh, and we see the magazine, which I believe is Vanity Fair. And it says, like, the punk Pope. Which, I mean, that's what he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, oh boy. Um, yeah, so Voyello, it turns out, does not know about the Pope's drug problem. Uh, He's uninformed. Yeah. He says that he only knows about addictive behaviors when they relate to Napoli. (laughs) Uh, which is- Gotta make everything about football this guy. He does. He, he has to. Uh, it's, it's his cross to bear. But Voyello learned some really exciting information, uh, some of which we already know, right? So, so Bauer is the one who tells Voyello that Lenny has come back. But he also tells us something interesting from, from earlier uh, in the season. He claims that even though they were going to kill Francis II, oh, they actually yeah. didn't do it. And Voyello's like, don't tell me they that. They didn't get there in time. Yes. Voyello says, falsehood is my ineradicable vice, which I think is going to be a useful lens to think about him throughout this episode. But Bauer says, who who does Bauer say was the one who actually killed Pope Francis II? Well, we actually brought this up uh, back when we talked about this episode, which I guess would be episode two. Mm -hmm. There's that cut between 
Francis and then Lenny moving his finger mm-hmm. and Bowers like, yeah, we, we synced the files. We, we cross examined the tapes and Lenny moves his finger. And then two seconds later, Francis dies, like drops dead. And he's like, he just, be- he's like, yeah, def- he just is willing to believe that like, yeah, Lenny killed him. Well, Voyello doesn't, the funny thing is Voyello doesn't like a hundred percent believe him. Voyello doesn't, but, uh, yeah, but Bowers Bauer like- does. He's just a very pragmatic guy, and if the easiest explanation is that the Pope has superpowers and prayed another Pope to death, then, like, he's, yeah, okay, fine. He's probably seen crazier things than that. It's funny. This is, I think, a really big Bauer episode. Like, I think we really get a much better sense of him than we have throughout the rest of the season, Mm -hmm. and I actually like him a lot more. He becomes kind of, I mean... It's partly because he's taking down the three yeah, guys. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but here, like, yeah, he's like a shadow. He's 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 appalling. He's appalling. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, but we will get to that. I mean, yeah, he's like, you know, special forces, like, secret police, shadow core CIA guy. He's God. He is God, and we'll get to that. But here, that is in the service of taking down a pedophile ring, which is fine. Is He's he, also he gets a lot of good dialogue in this episode, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get back to that. Well, he just and but we you know he cares. He genuinely seems to care about the integrity of the church. Obviously, not identical, not in exactly the same way Voyello does, but I think in a pretty similar way. Well, I think they both have a vested interest in stability, right? And in stability, and in being willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, Much and, like his namesake. Agent Jack Bauer. Oh, that's true. I totally forgot about that. Also willing to do did you, did, Sorry, did you read the tie-in novels uh, between this and, and 24? Where he got old and shaved his head and then became um, kind of vaguely Italian? Yeah. No, I miss those ones. They were okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives you like a little bit more understanding of where they're going to be going next season, but uh-huh. you could probably just sort of like watch some interviews about it mm-hmm. with, with my man Keith. Um, but, but that happens... Uh, and then we sort of cut to our normal, the or now normal opening credits and the beach sequence. And then we again see Lenny getting his fridge of Cherry Coke Zero. But we also see him paired uh, in, a, in this cut and in this shot where the camera is sort of moving around the room between all of the faces uh, onto the, the caliph, the, the head of fake ISIS. Um, and I, I don't know what we're supposed to make of that. It seems like that is sort of a manifestation of, you know, religious zealotry in the same way that the Lenny cult is. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem like that connection is being made quite strongly enough, at least not in this scene. Yeah, Isis is kind of just a silent presence in this one. Mm-hmm. They don't say anything. It's just, my dude is just kind of sitting there staring. And again, yeah, didn't take responsibility for the attack on the Basilica, which happened at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. which is odd for a terrorist group because typically they want people to know what they're doing. It's the whole point of striking That's terror. That's the whole point of doing a terrorism. God, get that through your head, George Bush. Unless it's a false flag. No, he well, he just didn't. He was not brave enough to claim responsibility. Mm, yeah. Uh, but we confirm most likely that they did not do it. Uh, when Bauer makes his second appearance of the episode, when he visits Faisal in prison, um, which he does with Essence, obviously. Oh my god. These are just two guys who are just really good at just playing 
just very different kinds of creeps. Yep. Bauer as kind of this like muscular, like jaguar kind of guy who's just like constantly vaping and just like, like this is like an absurd speech that he gives where he's like, I'm going to count to seven, but I don't like to be in suspense. So I would highly advise that you answer by four. He, he He's talking like someone is writing this in a, uh, you know, in someone's like screenwriting 201 yeah. class after just having watched the Fargo television but series, he pulls which is it not off. a compliment. Yeah, he does. Pull but it also... And no, also, he pulls it off. He's great. Uh, and also, Essence looks like he is in Fargo. Like, yes, like no, he's, it's, just... it's, he's so much better cast than everyone in that show. Yeah. Uh, and and it's incredible because Essence is also doing this thing. Like, I don't even know how to describe his body language. He holds his hand up in this weird quasi-robotic way and just lets his fingers kind of like plunk up. Like, one, two. Like, he's basically count on count in this, this uh, scene. Um... And Faisal is, like, terrified and refuses to say anything. He doesn't answer their one question, which was, was it him? Which, you know, a good, like, smart thing to do there is to not talk. Um, although they come in and they say, like, we're not going to tell you who, who we are. Your attorneys won't either. We're not organized crime. Like, or like, no, he's talking about how he doesn't give threats because that's, like, yes. what organized criminals do. Um and gives this whole speech about perception and how perception is like the essence of the world, uh, which is which is just such like a fashy like. Well, it's it's also a very Brannix thing to say, which I think is interesting, mm. right? It's it's like sort of he he is much more self aware about the extent to which he cares about how he's perceived. Yeah, um, and it's almost like I think the one way you could put it is that Brannix claims not to care about perception, but wants the external world to see him. Uh, the way that he acts in private, whereas Bauer acts in private the way that he wants the external world to perceive him. He just, like, assumes that he's being watched at all times, and so, like, the uh, only thing that anyone sees is just him eating shellfish in a robe. I mean, maybe. He, you know, he just... It's to, to sort of be a little bit hacky about it. He has a he has a code of some kind, is kind of what it seems like. Sure. Uh, and, and... Yeah, essence counts, and and he makes it all the way up, and Faisal doesn't answer, and Bauer says that to me that basically counts as an answer. But he doesn't say to me that means yes. Although I think it's pretty clear. I don't know. Did you read it as being ambiguous? Um. I don't know. It's weird because, like, to me, it's odd that he's even visiting him in the first place. Like, the fact that he's asking, I think, is an indication yeah. that it probably wasn't him. Yeah. Because I think if it was him, like, they would know. I think is my sort of feeling well, about Well, yeah, it. it's very odd that, like, this guy who seems to know everything, he knows, like, when the moment when the old Pope died, he knows, like, all this shit. And, like, he is coming to just, like, ask. It feels like a game, almost, mm-hmm. that he's just, like wants to see what this kid says or like how he reacts. He's used his first lead. Yeah. Uh, Yes, he does. Um, Meanwhile. Yeah, we move on from there and then we get this really incredible scene that I think is a pretty fantastic payoff uh, to a scene, one of our favorite scenes from earlier this season in which Asante gives Gutierrez this dressing down 
Um, and he says, you got to stay away from Lenny. And that's all. He's the Secretary of State. He gets to decide that stuff now. Just before he leaves the room, he says, how is your toy boy? Also, toy boy is Very incredible. Good. Like, really, not boy really toy. Good. Yeah, really toy good. Boy. Uh, how and is your toy boy? Gutierrez unflappable in this scene. Really killing the game. Uh, he's, his name is Freddy, and I think he's fine. Gutierrez plays it like a fucking king. They talk about how Asente has really cracked down on priests boning, uh, which is obviously hypocrisy, as we learn moments later when we see Luigi stick his finger in Asente's mouth, which I have literally written down in my notes with LMAO. Oh. <laughs> it was rough. But yeah, I guess they're, they're doing it. Uh... And then we move, thankfully, away from there before it gets more gross to uh, Branix, who is holed up in this, like, separate winter papal chalet uh, in which Danny, the butler, who is, of course, with him, comes and tells him that he is a guest. And Branix says, who could it possibly be? Death does not announce his this arrival. This guy's always on. I mean, he has to be. But he, he's always on, but his on only covers, like, 1% of possible situations a human could find themselves in. Mm-hmm. So he just, like, has to stay in that zone. Uh, but but Danny wants Branix to be a seductive man, which, of course, we all knew he could be, because Sophia is the one who's come to visit him. And this really... There's something very tragic, I, I think, about their plot in this episode, in a way that I was not expecting, Um where it sort of is very obvious that not only is Brandix extremely horny for Sophia, she also is horny for him mm-hmm. in a way that feels less fucked up than it should, given that he's literally the Pope. Yeah, who cares? Well, I just think that there's sort of, like, y- you could imagine a version of this plot, right, where she is responding to his advances and is oh. doing it because, right, he's the oh, Pope. Oh, I see. But we're like, we don't get that. I don't get that vibe at all from this. No, because she's just, like, she works so, like... It's, it's, I think, a situation where, like, their relationship is not, like, because she deals with, like, the lay world so much, in ways, like, she is, like, an advisor to the Pope and sort of, like, almost making decisions for the Pope sometimes. Yes, I, I agree. Like, their relationship is, I think, their working relationship is much more complex than, like, he is her boss. I think that's true, which also, you know, I mean, her her job is to basically manage people's perceptions and manage people's feelings about the Pope. And really what she does in this episode, uh, I, I wish I could sort of demonstrate the, the gesture I'm doing. I don't know if you can describe the sort of, uh, she, she manages the Pope's perception of himself. You're tapping your head. Yeah, I was kind of, and, uh, not as sort of evocative as I was hoping it would be. Uh, but she does, she does do that. She, which she does by telling him he's, she's going to do something really intimate. She sits down next to him, tells him to close his eyes, and then she puts on his eyeliner. Oh my god, yeah. Just really, really good. Uh, because she says that she wants him to feel like he's at home, essentially. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he wear eyeliner in, like, in the Vatican? He doesn't feel comfortable. He's worried about what people will think. I guess. I feel like priests wear... Well, it was mascara. Sorry, I think I said eyeliner. Um, oh, I said eyeliner. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like priests wear makeup all the time. They got to be on camera. Of course they do. Who knows? Yeah, but, but he no, notably he does not put it on in episode four when he gets yeah, asked if he wants to put it on. That's true. He's like, no, this isn't the right time. 
it's it's not ready yet. Yeah. Um, and then he says that the Sex Pistols are going to kill him for some reason. <laughs> because I think, I think literally that's just like the only, like they were like, oh, we're going to make this character a punk. Like, what's that mean? And then they read sort of like a very, very brief entry on like a child's encyclopedia. And we're like, that's a punk band. Like Johnny Rotten. Is yeah. To come and kill a Pope. Of course. Noted, noted punk and not reactionary Jonathan Rotten. Um, but, but more importantly, out of the scene, we learn that Brannox doesn't think he's the Pope anymore. Uh, a conclusion that Lenny has also come to. So basically, in this episode, there are both two Popes and no Popes. Because neither Whoa. of them, right? Neither of them feels fully comfortable uh, taking the authority of the papacy and saying, like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're getting out of this crisis. Which is nuts. But really, I think the both of them crisis? are in... Sim- yeah. Crisis? Anyway. It's a crisis caused by mm, ISIS. Mm, I don't think I heard what you just said. No. Uh, but you know what is a, a really exciting uh, way to, to deal with ISIS is Gutierrez, uh, not Gutierrez, um, Lenny's scene with Voyello. God, and the music's back? Yes. Uh, so the song that comes back later in this scene uh, is uh, Recondite, I believe is how the, uh, that's pronounced. Uh, by Levo, which also I don't know how that's pronounced, but close enough. Uh, a song that was also very prominently featured early in, I believe, the first episode of The Young Pope. I believe it shows up uh, in, a, in the scene in which we're being introduced to Lenny, where we see him praying. And he's like, I'm a contradiction, like three and one and one and three, like God. Um, and he's talking to James Cromwell, R.I.P. Uh, not not James Cromwell. Just his character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, 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 really good. Uh, you know, it just, the vibe is so good. Their vibe in this episode, I think, is basically like people who were married at one point and had a very contentious divorce and are meeting up several years later, both single, and are like immediately certain that they're going to fuck. Oh my God. That's like, is that wrong? That's I mean, like basically their vibe. Yeah, I guess. Like, like it's it's just nice. Like they're very comfortable, even in the ways that they needle each other. Like mm-hmm. obviously not quite in this scene, but a little bit later on, Voyello says to himself, "Oh, like the Pope simply adores disappointing me," mm-hmm. and he he says that not because he's frustrated, but because he knows Lenny really well, and he he. They, they just, like, really accept each other, I think, in a way that I find quite beautiful. Like, even when Lenny, you know, talks shit about Voyello's book, The Man Behind the Scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Voyello, dreadful book. The Wait, dreadful is book. dreadful the same word? No, John Brannox, when he described it in episode two, he said that if you read it more than once, he would turn decidedly yes. bad. Yes. Uh, but we, we, yeah, we still, we don't see that book. That's a, pff, move over, Bible. We got a new book. Bible 2. Yeah. Mm, Bible 3. Angela Voyello. New, yeah, Old, Old Testament, New Testament, Hot Testament. Wow. Um, but, you know, we, we get this really lovely scene because Voyello also stands up for his book and he, like, dishes it out a little bit, which is pretty surprising. He, like, really has mostly been on board with Lenny. And one of the things I love about this scene is that Lenny acknowledges things that Voyello is good at and, like, lets him be good at them. And they just, like, work together really well as a team. They, they craft a scheme. hmm They craft a scheme to deal with terrorism. 
They do. And Lenny's whole thing is he wants to start a revolution. And Voyella he wants to start a Catholic revolution. Voyella's like, ah, yes, an old concern of yours. Uh, but they, they sort of, like, plan out this entire procedure <clears throat> for how Voyello is going to reintroduce Lenny to the world, how they're going to build excitement for this. They're sitting on opposite sides of the room while Lenny wears his tracksuit. having was just been, working out. Yeah, he was just working out on, like, a rowing machine or, like, a Bowflex or something, which is really incredible. They, they put this plan together. They're, you know, talking through all this stuff. They're like, okay, this is great. Um, we're chilling. They basically choose to ignore Asente. Uh, and at the end of this meeting, two really beautiful things happen. The first thing is that, uh, as Voyello leaves, Lenny awkwardly tries to hug him Mm -hmm. and it does not work. And then Voyello kind of tries to hug Lenny and they're just doing this very uncomfortable dance until Voyello kisses his ring and it just, like, is extremely funny that Lenny, this person who, as we may recall, is introduced to the series, talking about how he prefer- how he prefers formal relationships to friendly ones, wants to just, like, hug his bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that does not happen. And then immediately afterward, on the way out, Voyello asks the only question he asks Lenny about his oh experience being dead, where he's like, oh, did you see anything about Napoli? I just want to know if they're going to win any of the leagues. And Lenny says, yes, I saw, I know everything, and doesn't tell him shit, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And I think clearly is supposed to be more than the stuff he says in episode seven is him joking. You don't um, think he actually knows? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think he knows this. There's other stuff that maybe he knows. I don't think he knows this. Uh, because, as Voyello points out, if he knew, he would be extremely... He would go out of his way to disappoint him. But, oh, speaking of Voyello being disappointed... Mm-hmm. Is, or is this where we're going to get into this? I guess it is. Oh, God. <clears throat> so, Girolamo dies... Uh, and a lot of the rest of this episode is taken up with Girolamo's funeral, which the Pope says mass at, and it's like this huge thing that everybody goes to. And it's one of Voyello's uh, two conditions for returning as Secretary of State. And do we do we want to sort of talk, I think, a little bit about this character and like what he symbolized, and, and maybe this will be our way of uh, at least for now, putting a button on our sort of intermittent conversations about this show and disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Girolamo has always been kind of this odd character from the young Pope on. Um, because, and we've talked about this throughout this season of the show as well. This show has just like a weird attitude towards disability. And I think it's primarily the fact that it treats disabled people as symbols uh, rather than as like characters. And not just as symbols, but as mirrors or like objects for the other characters to balance off of. They're props. And I think Girolamo, when he was first introduced in the young Pope, very much felt to me as like a shortcut to humanize Voyello because this was before we like liked him really. Like he wasn't like a likable guy. He was like kind of a creep. He was scheming against Lenny, who we were like... Yeah, we were like, this is our dude. We, we loved him. Um, and uh, I feel like when they introduced Drillamo, it was like, oh, he's friends and like hangs out with this uh, disabled boy. 
and uh, so he must be good or something. Like, that felt like the intended message. Yes. And uh, then when he dies, we get this funeral, and we get this scene where Boyello is giving this eulogy, and it starts off, like, normal enough, and it's, like, kind of sweet that he, like, went through this whole thing. Like, basically, this is his... um, He used his... uh, when he's bargaining with Brannix, and did we talk about this? I don't think we mentioned this. No. Because he, he's basically met with Brannix and uh, was like, I can... We, we said this is one of his conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, he wants to use the Basilica for this. and um, Which I guess is fine. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were using it on Tuesday or whatever. Um, well, after they, they finished the repairs... Yeah, it got better. Is that... Yeah, is that... Is that... I am not positive that's the Basilica. I think it is but i don't know tell um, us in the comments <laughs> uh tell me i'll, I'll listen yeah Maybe. and then this the eulogy goes into like it starts off like personal and then it just gets really vague and broad in the way that the show is about these characters it's like the thesis like this yeah. basically is the thesis yeah. statement that the show is making about its relationship to disability. He's basically like, Girolamo is like everything that we are not. He's, he's like grace. all that is good. He's beauty. He's the beauty he's of grace. suffering. And like, it's just like, okay, yeah, we get it. You see disabled people like as sort of these like childlike figures who are devoid of sin because they are like incapable of, of sin or something. And it's just a really weird thing that comes out of it's fucking super nowhere. Fucking weird. And like, he's like, between we didn't have to talk because between friends, silence is golden. But then he talks about how Jerome was like really good with girls, and he like loved talking and like. And it, it it's weird because we have this pointed moment earlier in the episode where Voyello talks about how he doesn't like lying, and obviously I don't think that's quite what he's doing. But they're you know he's saying something I think. Uh, or trying to say something about possibility and about the way that he perceived this person who maybe was his friend. Um, and I, I don't really know what to make of it. Because he he definitely is doing the thing where he's like, oh, Girolamo is essentially an object to humanoids for yellow. And, and you sort of know while you're watching it that that's what's happening. And Silvio Orlando is so good in this scene that mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter. I mean, obviously it definitely matters to a lot of people and it just like... He, he, I think, does a very good job of d- distracting from the fact that that's what the scene is, mm-hmm. right? He just, like, manages to sell Voyello as a character so comprehensively that you're just like, fuck, like, this is very sad. Because uh, it is. It is also sad. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. It feels overwrought. Um, it feels like it's just... It's very oddly placed in this episode. There's already so much going on in this episode, and I don't know what the purpose of this scene is. It's. I think it's just to clarify, and I appreciate this direction. I don't think this is how I would have wanted them to do it. I think that this season has seemed kind of not as cohesive. I think it's very clear by the end of this episode that Voyello is the protagonist of the season. Mm, mm-hmm. um, because immediately after this, this is sort of him returning after his low point, And like, it's also kind of Brannix's low point, but Brannix has had a lot of low points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he comes back and he achieves a lot of his goals. He excises the interlopers. 
uh, which maybe we should talk about now, right? This is sort of like oh the bulk of the rest of the episode. Yeah. So do we want to do do we want to do the, the triad or Ascente first? Oh, I mean, everyone. Sorry, gets not the triad. Owned. The guys, the three guys. Yeah, everyone gets owned so hard, and it it rules. Um, yeah, let's do them. Okay, so the three guys. Bauer asks Voyello, uh, or no, sorry, Voyello asks the Pope. Let me just take care of them. Don't worry about it. We're going to totally get rid of them. They're never going to blackmail you because I, you know, he says, this is the quote. He says, you are the Pope and no one blackmails the Pope. No one touches the Pope. No one questions the Pope. And it's like, first of all, that's not the thing that you would expect Voyello to say, right? Because sort of his entire MO for most of the series has been about trying to manipulate the Pope. Right, exactly. And he says, and he says, and Branick says, oh, you know, why is that? Uh, and Voyella says, that's why, or that's why I'm the longest standing secretary of state in the history of the church. And he gets to hit that line again in this very beautiful and sort of triumphant way. Uh, and he asks for permission. Branix grants it. So he texts Bauer a thumbs up emoji, uh, which leads Bauer to call Essence. And they confront the three guys in their bunker. After they're like passed out on Coke. And I didn't notice this time. If there were unsnorted lines of coke laying around on the table, again. I hope they did because that was the, so funny. That was that, incredible. That's the last coke they're going to be leaving on the table for a long time. Yeah, you're going to be you're leaving coke on the table, guys. Uh, this scene fucking rules. Yeah, it's really really good because we get a second, we get like another uh, Bauer beatdown, but mm-hmm. on people who actually deserve it. Um, it felt. It feels like the Faisal scene was like a dry run. Yeah, That's, I really love this episode, but I think it indicates a broader pacing issue. Like if all of that stuff had happened like two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and then this stuff happened, we yeah. would have been like, "Fuck!" Well, like that. Yeah, rules. it does feel like he's basically just repeating some of the stuff that he said earlier in the episode in a way that's like so close together that it's like. It's just like, do you just say this every time you do something? Do you just have a speech that you give? Like, it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, like they do this whole thing where they're like, um, God, Essence comes out and he's just like, we just want one thing times three. Oh my God. How? And then it's like, you're all going to resign your positions. And they're just like, why should we do that? What do we get? And Barra's just like, you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Precisely nothing. And then he's basically just like, oh, yeah, my friend here, in case you forgot, is underage. And they have a lot of photos. Yeah. They're just scrolling through the photos. Which, also, sorry, can we take a second to talk about how fucked up it is that Bauer and Essence are literally making? Child pornography? Yeah, they're canceled. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Yikes. I guess that is true, though. Um... So really, everyone's just fucking wow. up in this scene. No one's, no one comes out of this one clean. <sighs> no one is free from um, shit. And he does say like, "Oh, I could, I'll just, you know, it's up to you. Either I leak these to the public, or like I just keep them on my phone." Um, but then he also says like, he's like, "Yeah, like make a decision. Like you either resign or this happens." But then he's just like, you know, uh, it, it's not really your choice. It's mine because I'm God. Ha ha. Huh. And he keeps saying he's God in this great way. And it's really it's good. It's just like, oh, and don't tell anyone about that I'm God. It's a touchy subject. It's perception, baby. It's all perception. He passed his perception check. Um, 
Yeah, that's that team. Great in this episode. Mm-hmm. Breakout hit. Breakout stars. Really, want, really good. They're all fucked. I want a, a spinoff of the show. Okay. About, them, about those two. Tell tell me about it. Um, I mean, it would just sort of be like them dealing with corruption in Rome and I guess essence and like, no, like Catholic Catholicism like around the world. They just travel around the world. Okay. Like rooting out pedophiles and shit. Sure. And just like blackmailing them and like getting them kicked out of the church and stuff like that. Damn, that actually sounds pretty sick. It sounds good, right? And it's just them. And then there's like long, there's scenes where they're just sitting like in a plane across from each other and just like no one says anything for like 10 minutes because they're both just like just weird dudes. Mm -hmm. And then we maybe start to learn that Essence is just a bunch of worms pretending to be a guy. He's like a good oogie boogie. Yeah, exactly. There also definitely is a scene early in the season uh, in which Bauer orders a pizza for them and uh, Essence really dramatically keeps track of the slices. He's just like, one. And he's just like two. picking off the mushrooms just like one by one. And just going, God, oh, God, I hate that we just both did that noise <laughs> at the same time. That's horrible. But he, um, d- he does do it. Back to, I guess, the real show. Yeah, if you want the rest of that, um, Sky Atlantic and HBO development executives get at us. Yeah, we have some really exciting we, ideas. I mean, we'll write property. a pilot. We've got it. Um, yeah. But they're done, though. They're just totally done. They oh, yeah, no. Wrecked. These guys are fucking out. Although, as Voyello points out, or as Sophia points out in a conversation with Voyello, uh, they're not going to jail because they were just made to resign. Like, they, they aren't going to the cops with this information. That's true. And Voyello's like, oh, true, true punishment is, like, in the soul, not in, like, jail or whatever. And it's like, well. well Jail's pretty bad, too. Yeah, I mean. I really thought that Voyello was going to say true punishment is having to lose a woman like Sophia. Which, of course, is what the Pope would have said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because also, it's like, she's single, baby. Yeah. Uh, who... Oh, Asante is the next on Voyello's, like, rampage. Yeah, it's on his, his hit list. Um, and he, he stops Asante after the funeral and is like, just so you know, like, you've resigned. I have your letter of resignation. And he hands it to him. Uh, and Asante's like, why would I sign this? And then he's like, oh, because otherwise you're going to get totally fucked because the nuns, who Asante has been extremely rude to earlier in the episode, have obviously recorded him. On Boyello's advice. Yes. Talking about how much he hates children. (laughs) He gives a fucking, like, children's adventure movie speech about how he's like, I despise children and orphans. He does. He does, though. He doesn't have time for them. Uh, yes, he's. A, I despise children and orphans. And then, and of course, uh, Voyello's like, Pius XIII is not going to like that because guess what? He's an orphan. And he has said on several occasions, including in this episode. A little bit earlier. That he can't stand when children are suffering. Uh, yes, he has said that. And this end is like, uh, okay. And then Voyello having learned from his fucking sensei, asks him where he doesn't want to go. 
Yeah, he's like, oh, pick somewhere you hate and you'll go there. And he's just like, oh, I hate my hometown, Sienna. Oh, it's terrible. It sucks there and I don't know anyone. And uh, Luigi... Just pops up. Because oh, God, that's yes, the other that's the reason. other piece of black. Because Asante's like, me saying I hate kids isn't enough for you to make me leave. And he's like, no, that's very true. So uh, also, I will reveal these photos of you doing sex with Don Luigi. Sorry, and- can we can we be a little bit more specific about how he phrases this? Uh-huh. He says... Uh, sexual gymnastics, I believe, is his phrase. It's, I think it's somersaults. Se- sexual somersaults, yeah. Yes, most most un- uh, unusual somersaults. Somersaults. Yes, uneasy somersaults. Sorry, uh, we, we found that deep in the notes. And uh, but <laughs> he just has photos. He's looking of at the pictures and he's just, just like fucking ascending. He's just like. Don Luigi, like, you managed to make me uneasy even when you are undressed. And then, and then Luigi just goes, <laughs> he does his, like, a little... weird little his, goblin. His, his, his little high Such a, laugh. like, a little weird imp. Oh, no, you know what he is? He's fucking, um, Muttley. Is that the name, the name of the dog? The dog? Yeah, the Dick Dastardly dog. Yes, there was, you remember, there was an old man and his dog, and the dog <laughs> would laugh at us. No, you're thinking of wacky races. <laughs> yes, the races were quite wacky. Welcome to our Venture Bros fan cast, <laughs> where we talk about the Venture Bros uh, in between other episodes of television. But, you know, he he basically does have that, like, that's, like, exactly his vibe. Yeah. Uh, and he, so he does that, and Asante's like, oh, man, like, I've just been totally fucked over. And, of course, he also gets sent to Kabul to hang out with Hernandez. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And he says, uh, Asante says, you're a bad person. And Voyello says, no, I'm an appalling person. Which I think is really interesting. It's like he he sort of has, like, accepted himself, I think. Mm-hmm. As he well, knows he, he knows who he is. I mean, he's always, I think he's always known because, you know. Um, but he's, he's proud of it. Yeah, okay. Because in, in episode one, you know, when he's taught, when he sees, uh, what's her name on TV? Talking about how the Vatican sucks, and he's yes, just like, Esther, they don't understand yeah. me. I am the rat who must toil in the muck so that the flowers can bloom. That's not how flowers work, but... No, also just very unfortunate that he would compare himself to therapy. Um, yeah, but but he he's back. He's ready. Uh, he does some stuff to fix up the church. So what does he do? Also, actually, wait, just, I need to drop two more details about this funeral, because otherwise, I'm gonna forget. Mm -hmm. One, they're wearing, like, magenta outfits. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. Maybe we'll figure it out later. We don't know right now. Two, the prime minister is there. Or at least, like, some ministers that are high in the Italian government. Everyone has showed up to this funeral. It is the event of the century. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's the perfect place for Voyello to do his dastardly deeds. Uh, but he, <sighs> Lenny's sort of around still. He has some brief interactions with the nuns, and he seems to resolve their strike by saying that the priests are going to have to do the nuns' laundry now. Yeah. And that's, like, real equality. Yeah. Well, and- his whole thing is, like, oh, you, like, he's, like, oh, the world keeps advancing and, like, modernizing, but, like, and you're saying we should catch up, but, like, that's wrong because like our power is mystery and like difference and like being withdrawn from secular world 
So... And he says that the nuns have more mystery than the priests because yeah. they're too close to civil society. Well, yeah. And so he basically says, like, the priests have gotten too comfortable and, like, they have to basically... Basically, he's saying, like, oh, the priest... Instead of, like, bringing the nuns up, like, no, the, we should... We got to bring the priest down. He's... Lenny's all about punching up. He just knows that that's a, one of the most important rules of comedy. God. Uh, but he he... I mean, okay... On one hand, I sort of understand the, the like, poetic or structural balance of this. On the other hand, I do not think that it is an acceptable punishment to make a legion of deeply sexually repressed men do these women. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even thought of that. And, like, it's gonna end up, it's a, right, because you can sort of imagine that having to do, like, a Sante's laundry is just, like, sort of punishment, period. But you can also imagine not Asante, obviously, because he's gay, uh, but other people, let's say the Pope, getting super into doing nuns' laundry. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, that's okay. So HBO, come back over here in the development room. While we're here, season three, the nuns realize that they can start selling their laundry for a shitload of money and <laughs> buy their way into having a new church. It's great. It's got sort of like a how to make it in America, entourage, ballers vibe. Oh really, really exciting stuff. Call me. Uh, so so that, that all happens, right? It, it, he somehow solved this problem. But there's one problem that has not been solved, which is the problem of the two popes. Uh, and as Brannock says, or as Lennon says, what is to be done? Because, of course, that's what you say uh, when you're in this situation. And Voyello uh, convinces them that they have to meet because Sophia can't do it. And why can't Sophia do it? Oh, uh, because she can't see him anymore. Why can't she see him anymore? Because... Do they fuck? They do not fuck. Uh, it's, uh, it seemed, does Unclear. not seem like they did. Oh, we missed the part where we find Well, out. but that's, yeah, that, that's what we're, we're in here now. Oh, okay. We're in here now. Yeah, well, when she goes and, like, meets with him in his, like, ski lodge and puts his mascara on and they hang out for, like, a day or a while longer, possibly, and they go skiing and Brannox reveals what happened to his brother Adam, who he loves. After Sophia, uh, wipes out. She takes town. a wipe out. And then he's like, this is just like what happened to my brother Adam, who died when we were skiing. Where I was so high on heroin that I couldn't help him. And he died on the ski hills. So this is sort of, I think, as low as we're going to go in the Pranic Psyche, unless the next episode is a fucking, like, either butterfly effect or, like, split thing, where he's like... There I was, am my yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. He there was, like, was never a second brother. I ate Adam in the womb. Oh my god. The middle way is what I called my birth canal. Uh, yeah, which would be pretty messed up. But also, I mean, look, we're just shooting out spinoffs left and right here. But he, he, he talks to her about that. And it's very obvious that they have these sort of gingerly addressed and now mutually acknowledged, even if sort of mostly non-verbally, uh, feelings for each other. And he tells her this, his, like, deepest, most fundamental truth, and then he asks her to breathe on the corner of his mouth, oh my God. and then they can never see each other again. Which should be gross, and yet I found myself feeling really sad. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's done well. 
Right. It reminded me, how, how did you feel like that compared to the goodbye scene between Voyello and Sister Mary in the last season? Because I think that's the closest God, it's been here. so long. I couldn't even say. Well, let's just say Diane Keaton, not in this scene. Not so much. But it's quite sad. That's why Sophia tells Voyello she can't be the one to convince him to do the meeting. But he convinces the Pope anyway. And as we end the episode, we're sort of getting ready for the the Popes to meet, finally. The thing that, that, that the trailer, if you had watched the trailer, you'd have been like, this is going to happen in episode one. This, <laughs> is the, this is the premise of the season. Mm. Nope. We're coming up on the finale, and this is where we are. Uh, and and it, finally, we see them getting ready for this meeting, which Lenny notably does, standing in a, a drained bath or fountain of some kind, with his uh, vestments hanging from He's the wall. He's standing in the bottom of an outdoor in-ground pool. Yeah. That still has a little water in the bottom. Just a his, little bit. His his clothes are hanging from like a hanger on the side of the pool wall. Sorry, I, and, and, and... I don't know why. That, so that outfit is hanging on the pool wall. Can you describe roughly how much clothing? Uh, zero. Well, zero. he could be wearing like a sock, like... The Red Hot Chili Peppers? No, he's not. Probably he not. Is not. It's, no. a, it's a sin to settle for things in life. Uh, he is wearing a pair of flip-flops. That's oh, the only that's thing true. he's wearing. Yeah, and then we just sort of like that. hover on his ass for a while. Because Sorrentino's like, huh, we haven't done one of these this season yet. We haven't yet. done one of those in a while. Uh, and there's his ass. It's great. I love it. It just shows up out of nowhere and you're like, awesome. I, I'm super so hyped for, I'm next, really for the last episode it. of the show. Uh, yeah, and now now we're going to see these two characters, I guess, resolve their differences. How in, do we feel about in that? In hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, that actually is uh, what, what they say in the rules when there's an anti-pope. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean... Who, who do you think is going to win? Well, it depends on, like, the contest, I think. Okay, what do you think the contest is going to be? Um... I don't know. I feel like intellectually, Brannix might might have the edge on Lenny. But in, in in sorry, in what kind of contest? Uh, in like you know, Bible quoting or sure. chess or mm-hmm. uh, any one of the many intellectual pastimes enjoyed by priests. But if it's like praying so hard that you kill a guy. That's a lock for Lenny. Yeah, he is the only person, I think, who who has done that recently. Who has killed two people through God. I think it's very exciting. Well, three, actually. Yeah, three. He's killed three people. Mm-hmm. He did resurrect one. True. So that's... So on balance, he has killed two people. What about, what about him? Point. What about him? But he also saved that lady's life. That's, like, 0.5. And he resurrected... No, he saved that lady's life... He resurrected that other lady that Esther killed. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Wait, is he even at this point? And he created a life. He might be even. Yeah, I think he's about even. Oh, yeah. It was very exciting. So we got Lenny coming in with a roughly 3-3 record. No tactical knockouts. Uh, Branix, 0-0. Unwilling to fight in front of an audience until now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really anybody's game. And I'm I'm excited to see who's coming out here. Uh, yeah, but I don't know, like, we've been getting the sense of who Brannix is, and it, it, I really have a hard time imagining these two characters in a room together. They're just so different. 
And they're different, not just in a way where it seems like they'll bounce off each other well, but they just seem so different that it, it feels like they occupy different shows by mm-hmm. now. So I don't, I don't know where that's going to go. Yeah, we'll find out next episode. Uh, I don't know. What, what other what other thoughts did you have about this one? Uh, I mean, it's great. Um, there, I feel like there's so much happening in these last few episodes. It's kind of like the problem of the first few episodes, too, where they're just like, just tossing a ton of stuff in. Um, I feel like, yeah, there were some pacing issues. Uh, the Girolamo stuff was weird. Mm-hmm. It felt like not, there wasn't much going on there. Um, obviously Lenny back in like full force. Cause last episode Lenny was back, but he's not really interacting with any of the characters that we mm-hmm. love. It was like his like quarantine before he was released back into the wild. And, uh, God, yeah. The Lenny Boyella scene with that music. That's just like, mwah, primo. Yeah, there's like good... That's the thing. It's like good scheming. Like yeah. every attempt at scheming this season has been bad. And not just bad in the sense that it's been scheming for evil. It also has been not well done and uninteresting to watch. Not uninteresting to watch, but just like kind of cringe. And the scheming is good. And mm-hmm. you're like, damn, like these dudes know what they're doing. These are ge- grade A genuine schemers. These are holy schemers. Uh, and they're very, very good at it. So that's exciting. And it's really cool to see how that plays out. Like when they, he just stages this photo with the nuns and is like, oh, we'll deny it. But then everyone will just keep asking questions. And it's ex- very, very funny. Classic Voyello. Classic Voyello, a longtime student of the Streisand effect. Uh, yeah, just a lot of really exciting stuff going on. Incredible, great Lenny episode. Unbelievable Voyello episode. Just some really, 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 really good stuff going on. Um, yeah, what are what are uh, what are you hoping for going into going into the finale? Mm. What are what are we thinking about? I mean, we're gonna have to resolve the Pope issue. Sure, there can be only one, much like a Highlander. You can't have two popes. It's like time travel or mm. something, like or like dimension travel, like like that movie, The One, where Jet Li kills himself in all those other dimensions. Sure, it's like that, but popes like. Something's got to give, you know, like that. So you're saying, so you're saying, okay, so it's sort of like a, it's going to be a crossover between the one and something's got to give. I never saw that latter movie, but was Diane Keaton in that one? She was in that one. Yeah. Okay. Continuity. No, but I'll, I'll, I'll I'll spoil you out a little something in that movie. Something does give. Oh shit. I mean, sort of kind of like a Chekhov's gun sort of situation there with the title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, one of them will be the Pope, probably, when this ends. Although, will they? It would be extremely funny. Who'd be the funniest person to emerge as Pope from this whole thing? What if Francis II actually came back from the dead and was like, I am the Pope now. And everyone was like, well, I guess. Zombie Pope. Sure, but yeah. Are, are Catholics ready for, for the first zombie Pope? He does, Asante does ask uh, the nuns if they want a woman to be Pope. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty what if, sick. Yeah, what if uh, Sister Lizette was the Pope? That would be so good. I think I would really love if any of the nuns were going to be the Pope. I think the abbess would be the yeah, best Yeah, I know. That's She'd be true. a really, really good Pope. There's a really good one there in Ascende's office where she just is, like, pacing back and forth on the table. Very, uh-huh. very good. Yeah. She's great. She's so much fun. Uh, Maybe she'll be the Pope. I don't know. What else? What else are we thinking about going in, going into, going into this last week? Or... Anything else? Do we do we feel we've we've covered our, our material? 
Um, I think I'm good. What are you? What are your thoughts? I don't know. Like closing, I'm, I'm, closing thoughts for this episode? I'm not ready for it to be over. Yeah. Well, don't cry because it's ending. Smile because it happened. I'll try. Is that a is that a, a that, church wisdom? Yeah, that's uh that was Lenny. Okay. Lenny. Cool. Great. That's awesome. I'm so glad that we we've done that. Yeah. Uh yeah, with our with our our uh special guest presence, we still managed to have some good thoughts about the episode. Yeah. Cool. Well, we got one more of these folks, unless we do anything else. And maybe we'll do some... Unless, unless we do one of the many bonus episodes that I've threatened to do over the course yeah, of this season. we'll see. It might happen. I mean, if it does, it'll be right here. So Let, let us know. Uh, let us know uh, if there's anything you want to see us talk about. Let us and, know who uh, you think is going to win the papal death match. Who's going to win the papal primary? Um, well, that was episode one, I guess. Uh <sighs> But uh, yeah, uh, one more of these, one more episode of The New Pope. And uh, I'm excited. Hope you're excited too. Until then, uh, you can check out our other podcasts. We have three podcast feeds now. Wow, that's too many. Um, They're all on the website. You can see them all there at fanbyte.com where you can also check out news, reviews, features, all kinds of stuff. Some of it's about video games. Not all of it. Some of it's about movies, too. We've got Gretchen Felker Martin reviewing Better Call Saul, uh, the new season. Uh, we just had uh, Sean Eicheson do an interview with the English cast of My Hero Academia. They talked about that new movie that I think is out by the time this episode comes out. But uh, Heroes Rising is the name of that movie. You know about that one? Yeah, I'm excited to see it. This is the one where there are two heroes, right? And then Deku has to... He, he sort of comes back from the, the hero dead. And there are two there are two All Mights. Now, what is this? So it's, like, it's kind of like there are multiple heroes. Because it's kind of like that's the situation that the, the, the popes are in. And oh, so I'm, I'm sort of transposing I that. I see. I thought you into, were into doing this like for... a reference to like a superhero movie or something. Yeah. I don't... Oh, see, no, no, no. This is the television show that we're talking about on that. Mm, okay. Well, um... Yeah, all kinds of stuff at that website. It's a good site. Check it out. You'll like it, I promise. And go to Fanbyte Media on Twitter to follow us there. I'm at Merrick K on Twitter. Eric is at Eric Thurm. And until next week, we're the, we're the Pope's, Pope's now. now.